Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. Thank you for everything. You know what you've done. Although that makes it sound like you've done something bad, you have not. <laughs> you know what you did. <laughs> exactly. You know. <laughs> and you will regret it someday. No. <laughs> Today, we'll be discussing Homecoming King by Penny Reed. Pro football player Rex is always a boyfriend, but never a husband, sending many of his exes into the arms of his teammates. Meanwhile, bartender and crafter Abby had a fairy tale love story gone bad, convincing her to give up on love. When Abby's lifelong crush Rex walks into her bar, Abby is suddenly forced to re-examine her views on love. Rex has a proposal that will hopefully help them both out, and Abby agrees in spite of herself. As they spend more time with one another, will Rex take a chance and lower his grumpitudinous walls? <laughs> will Abby continue to assume her childhood crush is too good to be true? And what does too good to be true really mean anyway? There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have a content warning for an abusive and predatory ex and stalking. Well, just just some light <laughs> stalking. <laughs> yes. Mm. <laughs> well, Erica, are you ready to be romanced? <laughs> Again? Again. <laughs> I mean, it is a Penny Reed book, so. It is. We do like our Penny Reed. So on a scale of, who are you again? To, your underwear is blue. How stalkery <laughs> is Abby? <sighs> I don't know if she's at underwear level. <laughs> But she's getting there. <laughs> yes. She has admired Rex from a near and afar for like her entire life. What is it? Kindergarten? That's a long yeah. haul. When, how old is she? Late 20s? Uh, Yeah, I think she's like 28 or something. Yeah, that's a stretch. Yeah. Abby and Rex grew up in the same small town in Texas. And they went to school together all through school, elementary through high school. And Abby was quite enamored and one might say obsessed with Rex from the very beginning. And Rex doesn't really know her. (laughs) (laughs) He knows her in the way that he knows other students that he went to school with. (laughs) I was honestly surprised how much he didn't know her. Really? There's very little like a, oh yeah, I'm like, you went to school with her for how many years? I mean, there were a few points throughout the story where he's like, oh, yeah, you did this and you dyed your hair black and you were a fast runner. But yeah, not a lot. Usually in romances, it's like they did notice them. They track them more. So I think Penny Uh, Reed went a slightly different way with it, which was it was interesting. And it felt more realistic, I think. So if someone's not on your radar, they're not on your radar. Yeah, it was definitely a one sided crush. And then Rex moved away, went to college, and became a pro football player in Chicago. Very successful, very famous. And Abby stayed in Texas and got a job working at a bar and has continued to work at that bar (laughs) until (laughs) present day. I think she started working there when she was 16, and she's in her mid to late 20s now, so been a while Mm -hmm. abby is 
an interesting character, I think, because on the surface, she seems very chill, very, very chill. She likes her life. Everything's in its place the way it should be. She wears comfy clothes. She lives comfortably, but not crazily. And she has a routine that she sticks to. It's nice and safe and calm and relaxing. She has friends. She's got her friend Kaylee. She's got a friend named Josephine who's mentioned, but then not really in the story. (laughs) And she's got her hobbies. She likes to craft all the crafting. She does knitting. She does uh, pottery, ceramics. She has an Etsy. So she sells her stuff on the side. She likes to go to craft fairs. Yeah, on the surface, she seems really just chill and relaxed and, you know, a single woman living her best life. But beneath the surface, there's a reason behind all that. (laughs) So when Abby was 16 and working at this bar, a handsome older man started coming into the bar and paying attention to her. And she liked it. Didn't really think anything of it. And her boss, who is kind of almost like an adoptive big brother sort of character, kicked the guy out and told him (laughs) he couldn't come back. Because he cares about Abby. He's like, no. (laughs) No groomers in my bar, thank you. Ew, yes. Only dog groomers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No predatory groomers, thank you. You can take your troll doll with you. (laughs) But one day, a couple years later, Abby's now conveniently 18. And her boss is conveniently not at work that day. This older gentleman comes back and starts hitting on her and they get married pretty quickly it's kind of a whirlwind fairy tale storybook romance abby's not used to getting attention from men she's a really tall woman she's six one and even though she's pretty she's also i guess intimidating for those short kings out there i don't think you can be really kingly though if you're turned off by a taller woman honestly i agree at any rate She thought her life was set. You know, her life was perfect until it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty quickly in the relationship, he becomes kind of controlling. She doesn't really think anything of it because she's 18 and in love and has never been in a relationship with a man before and doesn't think about the ginormous red flag that 10 years difference makes in that particular age span. 18 to 30 is a lot. (laughs) It is. A lot happens between 18 and 30, you know? Usually, yes. (laughs) Not not that it can't work, but it's what I would see as a red flag. Yes. At 18, I don't know that I would have, and Abby certainly didn't. But at any rate, one day, Abby's just toodling along, doing her life, and the police show up and arrest her. (laughs) And then she realizes that this whole time, her wonderful husband has been lying to her about literally everything. He is a con artist, was running this horrible Ponzi scheme that eventually caved in. The police thought Abby was complicit. They thought she was part of it, but they soon realized she wasn't. So she ended up making a deal where she divorced her husband was a witness against him, even though she didn't have much info to provide. And then she only ended up having to pay back 
a portion of the money that her husband owed, which I think is ridiculous. I don't know why she had to pay back any of it, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, especially since they were only married for three months. Abby declares bankruptcy and she has a payment plan and she's borrowed money from her best friend Kaylee and her boss, got her job back at the bar and has been slowly paying everybody back. And she's got two years left to go before she's totally paid up. Yay! Her ex fucked off and no longer bothers her. And she's happy about that. And she just is now living her very calm, comfortable, safe life. Just rocking that singlehood. (laughs) Can't say I blame her. What about you, Em? I don't blame her. (laughs) If the person I love managed to get me sent to jail, I think I'd be a little gun shy. Pretty fucked. I mean, I would think after, after that many years, maybe... Maybe she still wouldn't be quite so rigidly against starting a new relationship. I can understand why. So I think there is something else that allows her to maintain this singleness so easily. And that's that she's not really attracted to anybody except her ex. Ah, yes. Her longtime childhood crush. She thinks other guys can be good looking and whatnot. And obviously she was swept up in her marriage. But I think the whole reason she was available to be conned by her ex was because she convinced herself that no one would want her because she's so tall and her crush doesn't want her, doesn't know she exists. Yeah. And she doesn't really feel worthy of him anyway. And so I think it's easy for her to say, oh, yeah, I'll be single forever and it's fine when there's no one around that she's interested in yeah (laughs) it's a lot harder to maintain singleness if you're around somebody that you're into that is also into you but i guess that's my segue so (laughs) abby's working at the bar her friend kaylee shows up to drop off their car that they share this is part of abby's living situation because she doesn't have a ton of money Working on paying off that debt and all. Thanks, X. Yeah. <laughs> Kaylee is concerned about Abby being in a rut. She thinks maybe it's been long enough that you might want to start dating again. <laughs> like, shut up, Kaylee. Stop telling Abby what to do. <laughs> it really... I don't yes. understand the whole meddling friend thing. Like, I just don't. I, I guess it's just a plot device or whatever, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't quite get it either. It is very common. It's right up there with the crap dad. Yeah, yeah. Boy, is it. So the bar is getting ready to close. We're heading towards closing time. And a tall, handsome man walks into the bar, goes and sits by himself. Kaylee makes a deal with Abby that if Abby will go flirt with that guy then Kaylee will leave her alone about dating and not being in a rut for three months. And Abby's like, that sounds great. (laughs) Let's do that. She goes over there to take his order and possibly flirt, even though she's not really sure how to do that. (laughs) And then she recognizes him. (laughs) It is Rex, her Uh long lost 
Well, not really lost, because she kind of has been stalking him. <laughs> Crush. <laughs> she hasn't stalked him in a while, because it's not like he lives in her town much. Well, I would call it light stalking, because she stays <laughs> up on Rex news. Okay? She this is true. watches his games, and she knows what's going on in his life and stuff. Anything that's public, she knows about. Now, it got a little more stalkery when she was younger, but you get a bit of a pass for being a teenager in general, I guess. Not that stalking behavior is okay, but I mean, we're all kind of creepy and awkward when we're teens, for the most part. Yes. I know I was. Definitely awkward. I think I was awkward. I am still awkward. This is not a past thing. <laughs> was I creepy, Em? <laughs> I didn't find you creepy, but consider the source. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, see, I think someone would be more likely to find both of us together creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then one of us finding the other one creepy. I agree. So anyways, she sees Rex. She recognizes Rex. She takes his order. He's not paying any attention to her. He's polite, but very distant. He's absorbed in his phone. He doesn't look like he's having a good time. When she gets back from helping him out with his drink, Kaylee's like, so what happened? And Abby's like, nothing happened. I know him. Kaylee's like, oh, you know him? But Abby doesn't want to reveal this crush. And Kaylee assumes that he was an asshole from high school. And so <laughs> gives Abby a pass. Aww. It's closing time now, and everyone's gone except Rex. And this is when Abby realizes he is drunk. She didn't realize it when he came in, but he did not come in sober, drink two beers, and then get drunk. No, no. He came in drunk and then drank two more beers. And she feels appalled at herself for having served a drunk person. She's never done that before, as far as she knows. She feels really guilty. She feels very responsible. For him, I think. And she keeps trying to say, oh, can I call a car for you? Can I call a friend for you? Should I call your dad? Should I call this, that, or the other person? And he says, no, there's nobody you can call. There's nowhere you can take me. She's like, I can't leave you here, obviously. <laughs> so one of her coworkers, and I think a couple other people, help her load Rex into her car. And she's like thinking, okay, I'm going to go drop him off somewhere. But before they take off, we have this fun seatbelt debacle where she tries to get him to put on his seatbelt. And he's like, can you do it for me? Like a two-year-old. <laughs> and so she does. Only she struggles with it because, you know, he's massive. He's a football player. We get our first of many sexual tension moments, I guess. Although... Not quite as tensiony as it could be because he's drunk and she's kind of like, ugh, disgusted with herself for having served him. She tries driving him to his dad's house, but he refuses. She tries, again, getting him to say where she can take him. He starts being like drunk flirty with her. He proposes to her. <laughs> and she's just like, I can't believe this is happening right now. How... How is this happening? It's because he's drunk, Abby. That's how. <laughs> Suddenly, as they're driving, he realizes, oh shit, I'm going to vomit. And he tries to open the door. 
and pulls the handle, the interior handle, off the door. (laughs) And then manages to puke all over himself, Abby's car, and Abby. Mm, Lucky her. Yeah, this is great. Abby is a saint, I swear. Truly. I don't. So, all right. Abby manages to get him out of her car, up to her apartment, out on her balcony, hoses him off, somehow manages to strip him down to his undies so she can wash his clothes, brushes his teeth for him, and then blows up an air mattress with her mouth, not like a pump or anything, and gets him all situated in bed. And then she goes and cleans off her car and then hoses herself off and then takes a shower and then goes to bed herself. And (sighs) I'm just like, how? This woman, she is a superhero. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of incredible to me. I'm like, oh, that's because of the whole crush since you were a kiddo. And it's really funny, too, because (laughs) she's so aware of, I think, her crush and his drunkenness that she doesn't want to take any advantage of him whatsoever. So after she hoses him off, she turns out all the lights before she strips him off so she can't see anything. And she uses oven mitts so she's not actually touching him. (laughs) And then she makes sure he's all wrapped up in his sheet. So, again, his modesty is preserved. She is very, very, what's the word? Conscientious. Nurturing? Conscientious? Uh, aware? Self-aware? I don't know. Maternal? I don't know. And then, then she wakes up in the morning, cooks breakfast for him, gets a glass of water and some pain pills for him, all ready for him to wake up and he just doesn't wake up and she lets him sleep until two in the afternoon. <laughs> Even though she had plans that day to work on her ceramics. And when he does wake up, he's initially really suspicious of her. He thinks they slept together at first, I think. Yes. We're all assuming this because it's all from Abby's perspective. The whole story is from Abby's perspective, but... It seems like he thinks they slept together. She took advantage of him or whatever. He sees the ring that she wears on her finger, the engagement finger. And he is like, did I ask you to marry me? And she teases him. She's like, no take backsies. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me kind of wonder if he's asked somebody before. Like he's worried that he's asked first, not that he's slept with a married woman. (laughs) And then I think he realizes he's attracted to her because then he like starts going, where is your husband or your fiance? Do I have to worry about somebody coming home and finding me in this compromising position? (laughs) She's like, no, I just wear this ring to ward off the weirdos at the bar, you know, as one does. And how lucky for her that it works. (laughs) Right. Because it doesn't always. I can Mm -hmm. tell you that. Pretty quickly, though, he realizes that she's not a horrible, shitty person, and she actually took care of him, and he apologizes, and he's like, I'm sure I know you, and she reveals that they went to school together. You know, it turns out okay. He insists that he'll cover the cost of detailing her car and getting it fixed, 
And he's really kind of sweet with her in a way that she's not used to. And she's very in tune with all of his expressions, all of his grumpy faces, less grumpy faces, stoic faces. She knows and understands them all. And here is a face that she doesn't know and understand. And I mean, it's because she doesn't realize he's flirting with her and into her. Because how could he possibly be into her? Okay. So he leaves and she gets on with her life and thinks, okay, that was an interesting interlude. Moving on. She goes to work again to eat lunch because she is being plagued by a fly in her apartment. (laughs) She has some very funny dialogue about this fly. You really have to read it to enjoy it because I'm not going to butcher it here. And while she's talking to her boss, getting ready to eat lunch and everything, Rex shows up at the bar looking for her. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in town for a few more days. And I wondered if you were busy. She's like, oh, yeah, I don't date, by the way. He's like, oh, no, 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 that that's not why I'm here. <laughs> I, I have a reason to talk to you. And he says, I have a strange question. She says... Okay. (laughs) He says, I want to hire you to marry me. (laughs) She's like, what the fuck? (laughs) He says, he needs someone to be his wife. It's a business arrangement, but also has to be a legal marriage. He needs someone to accompany him to events and such. Weddings, parties, work events. Everyone would believe she's his wife. And that would solve a lot of problems for him and she's like is this about you having all your friends marry your exes (laughs) so she knows this because this is a this is public knowledge (laughs) because he's so famous apparently every woman he's ever dated including those he dated in high school after they broke up went on to meet and marry the next guy the very next one. Yeah, I forget how many times that's happened. It's a lot. A lot. A lot. An unbelievable amount. And he gets heckled a lot. There's a sports sports reporter that really thinks this is hilarious. <laughs> has started calling him training wheels for women. It's really disgusting and misogynistic and horrible. And it's also mean to him. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's not the best thing to deal with and he really can't shut it down very easily because then that makes him look like the bad guy he thinks that if he and abby get married then that will put all that to rest and he'll be able to shut it down for real and it'll be great and he's willing to pay her yay he's gonna pay her i think a thousand dollars per event or something and then reimburse her for her other expenses Like if she has to buy clothes or get a car somewhere or whatever, he's going to pay for all that. He thinks she's perfect for him because she doesn't want anything from him. Everyone he knows has a wish list for him and she doesn't, supposedly. Hmm? There's a couple things about this proposition that bother Abby. So one of them is that she's just a nobody from Texas and he is a big famous football star. How would anyone possibly believe it? Another part of it is 
the lying aspect. She does not like lying at all. She refused to lie for her horrible ex, and she doesn't want to lie for anybody. Rex offers a trial for the arrangement where she can accompany him to a rehearsal dinner and then a wedding that night and the next day, and then she can see what it would be like and then decide after that. So she's going to think about it. And he leaves. It's kind of funny, though, because up to this point, she's had Rex on a pedestal. And I think he kind of got knocked off over the course of this conversation. (laughs) Oh, back down to earth we go. (laughs) Yeah, there's a line in the book where she thinks to herself, quote, and you've never really thought of Rex as a human until yesterday, did you? (laughs) (laughs) After he puked all over you and then proposed fake marriage to you. So she decides to go to the rehearsal dinner and she drives over there to the house and she kind of thinks it's all a big prank almost like she's in denial. She gets up to this big fancy house. There's a valet. There's a guard. Her name is on the list. She doesn't believe that it is, but it is. When she gets out of her car, she sees other women dressed in super fancy outfits and she's feeling a little out of place. Yeah, a little less adequate than she'd like to feel. She doesn't feel like she belongs. But almost immediately, she runs into Cyrus, who was her best friend in high school, and is now a famous actor, and is finally taller than her. (laughs) By a little. And he had a huge crush on her in high school, and she rebuffed him because she's always been in love with Rex. And Cyrus is well aware of her crush. He lived through it with her. (laughs) (laughs) He knows that Rex invited her. Abby's a little curious as to how much he actually knows. Like, does he know this is all a big lie? He doesn't reveal any of that, though. He does act kind of flirty with her. And initially in the story, I feel like we're meant to think that he wants her for himself um he's like always holding her hand giving her his jacket being all flirtatious and close with her she doesn't seem to realize that any of this is flirting at all (laughs) she's totally oblivious and every time he does this and then rex comes over he looks jealous or grumpy or whatever but abby's like well it's obviously not jealousy because he doesn't actually want me i'm his placeholder Cyrus brings her into the house and Rex comes over and finds her and he's all excited that she's there. It turns out to be a really nice night. Mm-hmm. Really sweet, really fun, kind of kissy kissy, like not on the lips or anything, but, you know, kissing hands, cheeks, snuggling. And when Abby leaves after the evening's done, she goes home and she's worried. I think she's worried in large part, that she still likes him. (laughs) Yeah. And this is a fake relationship situation, and she's struggling with those boundaries. And she decides, you know what? I need to tell him about my past. He doesn't know about my ex. And if he knew, he might not want this, and that might solve this problem for me. So, before the wedding the next day, she tells him about her lovely ex-husband, Declan, and all the wonderful things he did. She's been paying back the money for 
nine years. She's got two years left. It's awful. Rex has questions. Abby figured he would. (laughs) We learn exactly how predatory this relationship was. Yeah. Like, really bad. Yes. Rex says, I'm going to meet you at the church anyway. So Abby shows up. It's kind of cute because she makes friends with her Uber driver. (laughs) And then when she gets out of the car, Rex is jealous and he's like, who's that man? How do you know him? She's like, this is my Uber driver. I don't know him. She's like, how do you know about his dead cat? She's like, because we talked. I don't know. (laughs) I made conversation. (laughs) This is how normal people do it, Rex. I don't know if that's true, but I think she thinks it is. Rex tells her he has a possible solution for the divorce problem. He proposes that he buys the story of it from her ex through a broker, make him think he's selling it to a newspaper or something. Then he'll be silenced and unable to talk about it due to that deal. And then after they get married, they'll have an exclusive interview and bring up her side of the story and then it won't be a problem. It'll be solved. <laughs> Abby says, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. And Rex says, well, kind of already solved it for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, whoops, sorry about that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We do learn during this conversation that one of the things Abby is really concerned about dating wise is that she does not want to be in a relationship with someone where she is at a disadvantage. She's super duper aware of the power imbalance her previous relationship had, and she doesn't want to experience that sort of thing ever, ever again. And she definitely doesn't want to be the weaker one of the couple with less to offer anyone. So she's kind of got Again, some low self-esteem, to put it gently. Yeah, a bit of that. And also... Some trauma. Yeah, I mean, she was taken advantage of by her ex, where there was a clear power imbalance, which you get a much better sense of later in the story when he rears his ugly head. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, I'm, I'm not fancy, I'm a hick. It's like... That is literally the language that he uses. Yep. Not the fancy so much, but... Yep. We know where she got it from. <laughs> yep. Yeah, her her ex is a piece of work. So, the wedding goes great. It's not as lovey-dovey as the rehearsal dinner, but it's fine. Abby feels a lot like an assistant, almost. Rex has a lot of fans that want to take pictures with him and such. Abby's totally fine taking pictures for them she's not jealous really she doesn't really care in that way she expects people to be all over rex and ignore her at one point during the reception rex whispers in her ear and says act like you're tired and ask me to leave and she's like all right let's do this so she like yawns (laughs) and can we go home i'm so tired and he's like oh of course and so as they're leaving the venue he tells her she was amazing he's Super impressed that she was so great with the fans. She didn't get upset at all. She reveals, well, she's a fan, so she understands. And he's like, oh, you're a fan of mine? And she's like, yeah, I love watching you play. And he's like, kind of into it. (laughs) (laughs) But he reveals that 
he hasn't had that experience before, you know, being on a date with a woman and being accosted by fans. And then the woman gets kind of jealous or upset and doesn't like being ignored or treated as an accessory, which I totally get. Abby says, well, I mean, on one hand, you're my boss, so you're paying me to do this. So there's that. (laughs) And he looks a little upset by this. And then she says, however, I think if we were together for real, it really wouldn't have bothered me. It's more of a supportive role, and I don't mind that. She learns that he's the one who usually ends his relationships, and he says that he likes to be successful. And if he's not enough for someone the way he is, and it doesn't let him be successful at his job and with his teammates, with his family, and and with, you know, his significant other, whoever she may be, then why continue? And so he'll break up a relationship for that reason. And she's like, well, what about us? (laughs) Do you have an end date in mind for our hypothetical marriage? And he says, as long as you want to, it's fine. She's like, well, like, are we going to be fake married forever or something? And he's all, sure. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) I see no problem with this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, come on, Abby. You don't suspect anything still. 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 (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if Abby necessarily learned all those lessons she thought she learned. (laughs) So... A little time goes by. Rex goes back to Chicago, back to work. Abby continues her life. And then she receives a check for $5,000 as payment for the two dates she went on, which is much more than agreed to. But she deposits it anyway and uses it to pay off some more of her bills. And I think she pays back Kaylee the rest of the money she owes her. And then a prenup arrives in the mail. She starts reading it and she's like, I don't know what to do about this. I don't understand any of this. Luckily, her friend Kaylee is a lawyer. And so she goes and visits her friend and says, so could you maybe look at this prenup for a hypothetical friend of mine? (laughs) And Kaylee goes, uh, sure, I guess so. And looks through it and... She asks Abby, what do you want to know? And Abby wants to know if it's fair. And Kaylee says, is this a marriage for love or money? And Abby says, well, let's say love. (laughs) And then Kaylee says, well, it's more than fair. This person would get a regular allowance that increases over time due to inflation, but can never be decreased. They get half of all the property and never have any debt. Or whatever, if the couple falls into financial hardship, it's not going to affect her. And then Abby says, can I hire you? (laughs) (laughs) And Kaylee says, why? And Abby says, so we can have some of that sweet, sweet confidentiality. (laughs) (laughs) After Kaylee agrees to be hired, quote unquote, for free, I'm assuming, she learns the whole story. And gives Abby the advice that if she's going to do this, then yes, take the money. All of it. It's not a scary document. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to be great for you financially. I have the number of a wonderful finance advisor (laughs) that you should call and hire, etc., etc. 
Okay, so now Abby's big problem is she doesn't want to take the money. Uh-oh. Would you take the money, Em? Hmm. I don't know. Probably not. What about you? It's tough, right? She really likes this guy. It feels weird, I think. But on the other hand, marriages are kind of legally business agreements anyway. Yeah. He is super duper rich, so it's not really going to hurt him to give her any of that money. I think I'd be conflicted, but if I were in her situation, I probably would take it. Yeah, because it would be good to pay off the debt. Yeah, I wouldn't want that hanging over my head anymore. Yeah. And it would improve her quality of life significantly if she actually used it. But she decides she's going to take the money, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to just take it and save it and then give it back to him after they divorce. And then she'll feel like they can separate. It'll be a clean break. She won't feel guilty. During this time, they're texting. They're conversing. Rex isn't pushy at all. And when she finally tells him that, yeah, she's up for it. Let's get married. He says, great. I have some stuff going on. Let's get married while you're up here. And then you can attend all these other events with me. And she says, okay. So a week after signing the prenup, she's been living with more and more flirtatiousness from Rex. Flirty texts, flirty phone calls. It's getting her kind of hot and bothered, but she's trying to remind herself, no, This is just him being nice and he doesn't really mean it because this isn't a real relationship. It's not like, (laughs) uh, there's this really fun. Okay. So I have to say this. I have to, I have to bring this up. So, (laughs) you know, she's waking up from dreams. She's having like this whole idea that my libido has reawakened thanks to all his flirtiness and never really bothered me not having sex for so long before but maybe you know I could go hook up with some guy and ease the itch a little bit or whatnot then she goes no with my luck (laughs) (laughs) with my luck (laughs) quote I'd end up with a missing kidney at the end of the night or in prison again or shipped off to some ice planet as the new bride for a blue alien (laughs) and i just love that because that's gotta be a ruby reference right right it has to be a ruby reference it seems likely and i was like dying i'm like (laughs) "Ah, my two favorite authors (laughs) penny is aware of ruby Uh, you know, when I read these books for the podcast, I make highlights as I go so that I know what to talk about and what to put in my notes and everything. And I put a little note with uh, an emoticon with the hard eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Even though Abby is feeling super hot and bothered and it feels like he's flirting with her, she's like, no, Rex thinks of himself as my boss and he would never flirt with an employee. He is a good guy. She has, again, so maybe he didn't fall completely off the pedestal. Like, maybe he fell off the super tall pedestal onto a less tall pedestal. Maybe? (laughs) She's like, oh, no, he's perfect. He would never do anything wrong. She gets ready to fly to Chicago. This is her first plane ride ever. They have this text conversation 
where Rex asks her if she's going to bring him any giant mugs. He wants a giant handmade mug from her. And she says, no, not this time. He says, what about as a wedding gift? And she says, well, what are you getting me as a wedding gift? And he says, literally anything you want. Ask and it's yours. And this goes back and forth, back and forth. You know, she asks for things like world peace. You know, and he goes, <laughs> no, you have to be specific and you have to ask. He says, I will only do what you ask me to do. And she's thinking to herself, hmm, he's like kind of sphinxy right now. Is he telling me riddles? But she just writes it off. No, no, that's that's not what it means. I'm like, girl, <laughs> he's telling you, I'm ready. Just ask. <laughs> that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of desperate. It's kind of cute. I think it's cute. Did you think it was cute? I don't know. Uh, sometimes it was cute. Sometimes I wanted her to open her eyes. <laughs> Was he cute, though? Yeah, some of it was cute. Yeah, okay. She's arrived in Chicago. She's hanging out at this event. Rex has been basically ignoring her. You know, he's brought her there. He's been kind of hands-off with her. And she doesn't know what to do about it. Cyrus is at this event. And again, we get some kind of flirty vibe from Cyrus. She's standing in the side of the room watching Rex get talked to and pictures and, oh, you must go talk to these people and, oh, you're so important and famous. And Cyrus says to her, if you were my fake fiance, I'd show you off like diamonds. And she <laughs> says, fake fiance. And he says, yeah, Rex told me. I know. <laughs> they, they continue to talk about it. And she lies and says that she agreed to the deal for the money. She's pretty sure that Cyrus doesn't believe her because he was there for the obsession. <laughs> Cyrus tells her some more info about Rex having <laughs> married off all his exes, essentially. And she doesn't realize, well, I don't know. We learn he's kind of trying to plant the seed that, you know, Rex has never dated the right woman. And he's trying, I think, to imply that Abby is the right woman. Yes. But Abby doesn't get it at all. No. Because she says something like, well, it's not too late to call off the wedding. If you think there's somebody that would be better for him, I would like to help him. Truly, I'd like to see him with the right person. And Cyrus is like, um. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says... I think I've meddled enough as it is. Maybe we should just let things run their course now. <laughs> he tells her, there is no one else. Stop worrying about Rex. And then as they're talking, Rex comes and finds them. Again, looks a little upset to find Abby off alone talking to Cyrus. Brings her into dinner. <laughs> we get a hug. So she and Cyrus were talking outside and she was really cold and Rex warms her up with a hug and it's amazing. And then when the event is over, Abby thinks maybe they're going to get to talk or something, but no, he just asks the driver of the car to drop Abby off at the, at the hotel where she's staying and then he takes a separate car so they don't get to talk at all. Hmm. Abby's kind of upset about this whole experience. She 
doesn't really know what to think because up to this point, she's been getting this flirty banter. She thinks they're friends at the very least. She feels like she's helping him out. And then she gets there and is basically ignored and avoided aside from this hug. And so she's talking on the phone with Kaylee and Kaylee says, you really need to take the money because that will help you think of Rex as your boss. And right now you're blurring the lines in your relationship. But if you're taking the money and you put him firmly in the boss category, you'll be protecting yourself. And this helps Abby decide to take the money. She doesn't intend to keep the money still. She intends to donate it or something. But at the very least, she's going to take it. (laughs) However, she does share with Kaylee that hanging out with Rex and the flirting and whatnot has made her start to think maybe she does want to date again. And maybe after she's done helping Rex and they get divorced, she could find somebody. And Kaylee's all excited for her. The next day, they get married after Rex's practice. They get married on the football field. Rex is wearing his uniform, which Abby wanted him to wear. She's wearing a beautiful dress. All the teammates are there, but no one else really. And there are no rings, which is unusual to Abby. She doesn't, she thinks that's kind of a weird oversight, but okay. There is a kiss, but it's just a very quick peck. And then Rex kind of lightens up again. I wish we had been in his head during that event. Yeah. To know why he was so aloof with her, but maybe he was trying to stay away or trying to not be too imposing or something. I don't know. Like, I don't understand that part, really. Because now they're all cute again. She starts calling him husband. He likes it. He starts calling her babe. She likes it. And then she says, okay, well... I better get going because I have to make the plane home tonight. And Rex says, wait a second, you weren't supposed to leave till after the game tomorrow. And she says, oh, but you don't need me that day. You didn't say you needed me. So I decided I might as well just go home. And he's like, oh, I see. You can tell he's kind of upset about this. Uh Oh, she asks, well, when am I seeing you again? And he says, oh, I guess the Richmond game, like for Thanksgiving. She says, okay, well, I'll see you after the game, I guess. And he says, you sound a little nervous. And she says she is. And he asks why. And then she realizes, you know what? This is my boss. I'm having trouble with a work assignment. I'm going to be honest with him. And she's like, I'm worried I won't fit in with the other wives. And he says, well, just do what the other wives do. (laughs) Monkey see, monkey do. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So he's still in Chicago. She's in Texas again. They have flirty texting, they have flirty conversation, Um, and then the interview appears where Rex reveals that they got married and also her past. It's really a nice, low-key interview. They make sure it's in the sports section, not on the front page, that type of thing. She calls him, and they talk about the upcoming plans for Thanksgiving She learns they're going to be sharing a hotel suite while she's there because the rooms were booked really full, but the suite has two bedrooms. And he says his aunt Sally wants her number so that they can make plans for Christmas. This kind of makes it a little too real for her again. She says, you know, I think that's kind of odd 
that you want me to go to Christmas with your aunt and uncle and you'll lie to your family about me. Like, they're going to not believe you. Yeah. And he says, oh, they'll believe me. They'll believe me. (laughs) (laughs) And she doesn't think it's true. And she thinks it's weird that he's so comfortable lying to his closest family members. How did you feel about that? And, well, I think the way she addresses it is she she has a good point. She says that they're going to push him about it or confront him if they suspect anything. And then he's going to have to boldly lie to their faces. And that's going to be really hard. Yeah. And then he reassures her, well, they won't suspect a thing. And she just thinks he's being kind of cocky about his lying skills or think it'll thinks it'll be fine not really thinking it through or something she doesn't really dig below the surface at all and i think it's because she's elevated him to this boss category now he's Mm. the boss he wouldn't possibly have these feelings for me i'm compartmentalizing very hard right now (laughs) (laughs) At least that was my interpretation of it, because otherwise, how could she not understand what he's trying to say to her right there? It felt very obvious to me as a reader. Yeah. That he's like, yeah, I won't be lying, is what he's trying to say. (laughs) He doesn't say that, but that's what he's sort of saying. So after that conversation, Abby's at work and her boss is kind of mad at her. Now she's really close to her boss, Walker. He's a really great guy. He's kind of a big brother, you know, protective older friend sort of relationship. And he has found out that she got married and he is hurt and mad that she didn't tell him. And he confronts her about it. And she now is confronted with the fact that she is having to lie to the people she loves. So she was so worried about Rex lying to the people he loves. She didn't, she never thought about lying to anyone in her life, but she's going to have to. If she's going to keep it up, Walker can tell there's something up with the whole situation, but he also can tell that she's not willing to tell him. And so he just says, you know, you're really important to me. You really matter to me. And I'm always going to be there for you. If there's something I can do, let me know when you're ready to tell me whatever it is, let me know. And she agrees. But then after that, she goes and calls all her friends, except Kaylee already knows the truth. But she calls everyone else and makes sure they know she got married. (laughs) Then she's at work and she's just doing her stuff, serving customers, making drinks. And another customer comes in and it's Declan. Yay. Our favorite guy. Mm -hmm. And he is really, really nasty. He comes up to talk to her. She tells him to leave. She doesn't want to engage with him at all. You know, he acts like it's fine. Like, hey, beautiful, how's it going? How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. (laughs) She's like, nope, bye. Not what I asked. Leave now. Yep. And she calls the security guards while they're talking. And Declan tells her that he's going to need some more money since it turns out that Rex, her new husband, bought the story, he's, he's going to need some more money for that to keep it secret. He says, if I had known why someone wanted to buy that story, there's no way I would have accepted that offer. And then he implies that she played some part in the whole thing and says, do you think I'm going to stay silent about the truth, about the part you played? 
he's really threatening. Yeah. Abby's just kind of waiting for the security team to show up. (laughs) All of a sudden, luckily, her boss, Walker, comes back from, I think he was outside or in the back room or something. And he comes back and he sees Declan there and he gets him in an arm lock and slams him down against the bar and makes him leave and make sure he stays outside until the security guards come and run him off. Abby, meanwhile, sends Kaylee a text asking if maybe she can spend the night at her house because she doesn't feel safe. I think she's making good choices. Mm -hmm. Walker comes back in and he says, you should take the rest of the night off, Abby. I called your husband and he's coming. And Abby's like, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) Why'd you involve Rex in this? Walker's like, I would want to know if my wife were in trouble. Do you think Walker overstepped? That's a tough question because they have such a good relationship. Yes. He's almost a a parental figure in her life, really. Mm -hmm. She trusts him. They, you know, they have the love of friends between each other. And he got told she got married and figures, well, the only reason you get married is for love, right? (laughs) I guess I don't know that it's overstepping so much as maybe making a lot of assumptions. Because let's say it was you and me. If something happened to me and you went and called my husband for me, I wouldn't think anything of it. You know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. I'd be like, you're taking care of me, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess I would sort of evaluate if you're able to, then I assume you will. If for some reason you're not able to, for whatever reason, then yeah, I would. I think for me, I was thinking, well, he didn't think she was able to because she's probably in shock and kind of freaking out over the whole situation. Mm -hmm. So he probably didn't think she was able to at the time. The part I struggle with is he just had a whole conversation with her about this marriage And it kind of seems a little weird. And he recognizes that it seems a little weird. Like at the very least, she went off and got married and didn't tell anybody to this guy that she hasn't been dating for very long. Yes. I think that's the part where I'm a little concerned because I don't know that I would call that husband. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. (laughs) Especially when he's like, I know something is up with this, but you're not telling me. I mean, he basically goes, dude, are you pregnant? <laughs> like, is this a shotgun wedding? And she's like, no. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if it were an established relationship and he knew more about it and everything and it felt like it was on the up and up, I think what he did is fine. I think maybe, yeah, sure, maybe it's a little oversteppy. He assumes she's too shaken up to call right away. He wants to make sure that she's taken care of. I think that's Ultimately, it's fine. It's forgivable at the very least. But I think him doing that when he has these feelings about this relationship where he's not sure what exactly is going on with it, that's the part I struggle with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Rex drops everything and comes to Abby. He's worried about her. He wants to make sure she's okay. He's got a hotel room booked for her so that... She doesn't have to go home. He's hired a security team to guard her around the clock. He feels like it's all his fault because it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't 
made that choice that he made without her permission to buy off the story. He seems like he's ready to argue with her about (laughs) her having security guards. And she's like, no, I like that. That's a great idea. Love that for me. (laughs) Because she is fucking terrified of Declan. Yeah. That's the thing. She is believably horribly terrified of this man for good reason. Mm -hmm. That's something that I really appreciated in this book. I have read books where you have a heroine who is in mortal distress, which I feel like this is Mm -hmm. or has the potential to be. Um, I feel like Declan could easily elevate to something pretty bad. Yes. And yet you have the heroine being blithely, no, it's (laughs) fine. It's not that bad. He'll get over it. He'll only choke me a little. It'll be fine. He won't really hurt me, even though it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So I really, really appreciated in this book that we have a heroine who's like, no, that was (laughs) fucking terrifying. And I'm glad that you swooped in, got me a hotel room and some guards, even though I feel a little weird about the whole situation. I'm really glad I'm being protected. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's, it turns out that it is for a really good reason because the guards find out that Declan's been camping out at her apartment out in front, waiting for her to show up like a creeper. Yeah. And this happens over days. So he's constantly there. He's trying to knock on her door. He's trying to catch her coming in or out or whatever. And since she's not home, it's okay. He doesn't know where she is, but it's kind of fucking terrifying. And they're gathering all this evidence because they're hoping to get a restraining order in place. So that first night she sleeps on the couch and he sleeps in the bed at the hotel Neither of them sleep very well. And in the morning she gets ready. She forgets to bring her clothes into the bathroom with her. So after she takes a shower, she rushes out wrapped in a towel to try to get her clothes and everything. But Rex is awake at this point and he's standing there very erect. (laughs) And she screams because she's kind of like on edge. And then (laughs) ah, naked man. I don't know if he's naked or not. Is he just, I think he's wearing boxers or something. It was more nakedness than she was expecting at that moment. Yes, a lot more, (laughs) a lot more, (laughs) a lot more in a certain area than she was prepared to see. Because she screamed, the security people come in, (laughs) you know, because they're concerned for her. And she's like behind Rex in this towel that's like slipping off and she doesn't have any clothes and Her underwear got flung all over the place. Rex has a bra over his shoulder. (laughs) He's just standing there talking to them, erect, mind you. (laughs) He's okay with it. Do you know what? I kind of love this scene because (laughs) that had to be mortifying. But he's just like playing off like it's fine. And the security guards are also like playing it off like it's fine. (laughs) We're just here doing our job. (laughs) And so they realize it's a mistake. And then. (laughs) She like snatches the bra off his shoulder. (laughs) She's thinking to herself, quote, he's your boss, boss, boss. 
boss. Bosses do not have luscious bodies. Bosses are amorphous stick figures in business-appropriate attire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I really liked that scene. It was a good scene. Yeah, it was. They end up flying to Richmond together. That's where the game is being played that she's going to. She she tries to get him to explain why he doesn't drink. And he doesn't want to talk about it. It kind of gets into this talk about boundaries and rules and whatnot. And then there's a point where he says, well, what if I want to be self-destructive now? What if I want to go and break some rules or whatever? And now she's worried because she doesn't want him to impact his playing during the game tomorrow. And so she says... Break rules and suffer after the game tomorrow. You have my full blessing. And he says, I'll hold you to that. And so we're wondering what kind of rules he's planning to break. Hmm. I don't know that they're the rules that he shared with her. So during the game, she's sitting in the box with all the wives. And the wives are super nice and sweet and loving. And they think she's great. They're super happy for Rex. It seems like several of them have gotten married because of Rex. It's Kind of interesting to think that, you know, most of the women in her life being with Rex, most of the women she's going to meet in her life will have dated him at some level. <laughs> this Thanksgiving Day game in Richmond was supposed to be a losing game for Rex's team. Like everyone thought that his team was going to lose against the opposing team. But Rex is playing his ass off during this whole game. He ends up doing amazing and he ends up winning the game for the team and everyone is thanking Abby. Oh, he did all that for you to impress you. <laughs> she just doesn't understand any of that. She's like, no, he did all that himself. It has nothing to do with me. After the game is over, they win and the wives go down to the locker room. Abby's a little apprehensive because she doesn't know what the other wives do. So she thinks she's going to stand around and kind of scope things out and then do some combo of what they do. And when she finally sees Rex, he seems kind of surprised to even see her. And she tries to talk to him and go, oh, you did so great. She thought maybe she'd jump at him, but then she thought maybe he was hurt from playing so hard. But he's not talking back. He's just kind of lost staring at her. And so she grabs his face and kisses him. And it turns into a real kiss, like a real, real kiss. And he says, do I still have your blessing? <laughs> <laughs> we get some ass grabby. We get some making out. And then they get broken up by one of the other teammates who says, come on, we got to go talk to coach. And then we all need to eat. We're hungry. So... They get separated before they re-meet up at the hotel. And Abby is now concerned because she does not trust her own judgment. She's worried that, you know, that kiss felt really, really real, but I can't trust myself. So obviously it's fake. It's all for show, just for his coworkers, for his team, etc. My feelings are getting way too involved in this. I need to call this off. I need to call this off. This isn't safe for me. This isn't good. I can't lie to myself anymore. I can't lie to everyone else. I feel bad. Bad me. Didn't learn the lesson last time. Hopefully it sticks this time. <laughs> Fingers crossed for you. However, when they meet up at the hotel, 
He asks her how she is, and she says, fine. (laughs) And then he's like, I don't know if I should apologize or not. And she goes, well, I think I should be the one apologizing because I'm the one who kissed you, but I didn't know what else to do. You told me to do what the other wives were doing. (laughs) And he kind of grabs her and pulls her off to the side, finds an empty area to talk to her. They both want to talk at the same time. And Abby's like, no, let me talk first. And Rex is like, no, this isn't going to work anymore. And Abby's like, what? I was going to say that. (laughs) You beat me to it. She says, what's not going to work? And he says, pretending. And she says, okay, well, all right. But why? What did I do wrong? (laughs) And then he glares at her and he says, you must know. Must I? She's like, no, I have no idea. I am oblivious woman. (laughs) She says, I don't know, because you never tell me anything. (laughs) I thought I could do this, but you're right. I don't like lying to people. And so he's all, let me spell it out for you then. I want you. And she's like, you want me to do what? And he's like, no, no. I want you. (laughs) (laughs) And then she says, quote, no, I'm the placeholder, not the place. (laughs) And he's like, what? (laughs) She's like, how long have you known this? How long have you felt this way? He's like, since I woke up hungover in your apartment. (laughs) She's like, what? (laughs) No, this cannot possibly be true. (laughs) Why would you suggest I fake marry you then? Why would you make this a business arrangement if you actually wanted me? And he says, because you said you didn't date. (laughs) You shot me down and Cyrus suggested that I try a fake dating thing with you. And I decided to just up the ante and make it a fake marriage. But I like this too much and it's torturing me and I can't do this. And then he asks her, is there a chance? (laughs) Could you possibly want moi? She says that she doesn't want to be with him. Because he's wrong about her. If he knew the truth about her, he wouldn't want her. She reveals, you said you wanted this because I'm rare, because I don't have a wish list for you, but I do. And he says, oh, you have a wish list about me. What's on it? (laughs) He wants to do her wish list. (laughs) I don't think that's what he ultimately wants to do, but yes. (laughs) She says that she stalked him. She was completely unhinged about it. He asks her what she did. She reveals, you know, I used to follow you around. I'd go hang out in the business across from where you worked after school. And he's like, what? You're telling me you've liked me since forever? And that's supposed to be bad? She's like, you're too good to be true, okay? It's not going to last. You're all my fantasies. And he says, well, you're all of mine. So take that. Yeah. (laughs) And then he says, I love you. And she's like, what the? (laughs) No, I can't. Yeah. Brain broken. (laughs) And then he says, tell me you want me. (laughs) She is like still trying to logic her way out of this. She's like, you know, I'm really concerned about this power imbalance with Rex because it's going to be way worse than it ever was with Declan. (laughs) And she's like, we're going to go be logical, reasonable and not let emotions get the better of us. And we're going to go figure this out. 
how we can walk away from this, keep our friendship intact. It's going to be fine. And then he kisses her. (laughs) And then he says, tell me you want me. And she finally says that she wants him back. And we get some furious kissing and making out. (laughs) And it's very sexy. And then they get interrupted by one of his teammates who's like, yeah, everyone's looking for you. We can't eat till you're there. (laughs) And we'd like to because we're hungry. (laughs) One thing Rex says, though, before they go and join the others at dinner is he asks her, will you still want me when you discover I'm not too good to be true? So we have this running theme with the words too good to be true. Abby has learned because of her ex that things that are too good to be true are never, ever, ever true. I think Rex has kind of a similar opinion of too good to be true. Yeah. But he's also maybe a little bit more optimistic. I don't know, because he thinks he's not too good to be true. He's worried Abby is too good to be true. But he wants her anyway. So I feel like there's a little bit more optimism there. Like, she's too good to be true, but I trust her. So she is true. You know, like he's willing to override that feeling. But Abby is like, nope, nope. If it's too good, it's obviously bad. Obviously bad. Can't do it. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all touchy feely and cute during dinner. A little sexual touching under the table where no one can see. Abby goes and takes a bathroom break with Vanessa, one of the wives, who really likes her, loves Abby and Rex together. She says she thinks that Abby is perfect for him. And then she says, he's not easy, is he? And that kind of offends Abby because she's like, no, Rex is great. What is your problem? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you talking about him that way? (laughs) But the thing is, is that This conversation is really important because Vanessa says her husband is too good to be true. And Abby's like, well, how can you say that if you're with him and and everything? And and she's like, well, because he's mine. He's my too good to be true. And Rex is yours. And Abby's like, what does that even mean? (laughs) She says, you're perfect together. She doesn't say this specifically, but she's like, you know, you're your puzzle pieces. You fit. So Abby is now rethinking the whole too good to be true a little bit. It's planted a seed. So after dinner on the way back to the hotel room, Abby asks Rex why he introduced Vanessa to Ryan when he was dating Vanessa. (laughs) And Rex says, well, I thought they'd be good together. She's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, I get set up with a woman and I think you know she'd be really good with this other person i know and so i introduce them while we're dating because it's less awkward (laughs) i guess in some way and then we break up and they get together and i've been doing this on purpose for years (laughs) she says did you ever think about exposing me to anybody like do you think there's do you have someone out there in mind for me and he says no i want you for myself are you crazy (laughs) (laughs) she then wants him to stay with her she's like we don't have to do anything i just want you to stay and he says no you need time to think and and i 
can't be around you right now while you're thinking. (laughs) She says, what, are you afraid of losing control or something? And he says, yeah, he is. I was a little confused about that, but later we learn that his dad was like this horrible womanizer. Yeah. And I think maybe he's concerned that there's some part of his dad in him that he might unintentionally inflict on Abby. I think that's what that is. Okay, Thanksgiving was magical. They may be trying this for real. Abby goes back to Texas. She learns from Kaylee that Rex has texted her. He wants gift ideas. Abby's like, I don't want anything from him. She says, I've even decided yet if I want to explore this with him or not. Kaylee says, well, you should let the guy woo you, man. Like, <laughs> let him try. Okay, so I don't think we've talked about this too much. But part of the issue with Rex marrying off all his ex-girlfriends to his friends is that this news reporter guy is a total ass about it Mm -hmm. now he's saying oh i think the whole reason they won the game was because rex stepped it up because his new wife was there and then the other announcer says you can't be serious and then the first one says if i had a woman who looked like that in the stadium watching me i could sack richmond's quarterback four times too But this is giving Abby kind of second, because she's watching this on the news, and this is giving Abby second thoughts about all that stuff she heard from the wives and the other teammates after the game and during the game, where everyone was thanking her and whatnot. And she's wondering, like, was he trying to impress me? Is that why he was playing so hard? Because I was there. Hmm? (laughs) Even though Abby is back in Texas, she is still sleeping at the hotel. Uh, apparently Declan has been swinging by her apartment every day banging on her door they've been recording him coming up to ask him to leave and continuing to record him getting veiled threats and it's just a big old deal Abby is really stressed about that sleeping at the hotel is kind of hard for her she's working so much and then also still trying to keep up with all her crafting so that she can sell her stuff at the markets for Christmas and everything. And she's just still, she's, she's not sure about giving a relationship with Rex a try because it's too good to be true. It must be. Right. We have another conversation with Kaylee where Kaylee says, well, why don't you let yourself have nice things? Cause I break them or they break me. Yeah. And Kaylee's like, you feel guilty about every time something good happens to you, you don't trust it. Like you expect it to blow up in your face. And she's all, well, yeah, it always does. (laughs) (laughs) And Kaylee says, no, it blew up once and you're still holding everyone else responsible for what Declan did. And that gives her a bit to think about, too. Is she holding everyone responsible for what Declan did? Hmm. I don't know. She's definitely dealing with trauma. Yes. I can understand her having trust issues after the whole situation with Declan. Yes. However, just because one bad thing happened doesn't mean that now everything good is bad. 
Correct. And I think that's what Kaylee's trying to say. I don't like that she said that she's holding people responsible for what Declan did because she's not really holding people responsible for what Declan did. She's just trying to protect herself from anything like that happening to her ever again. And that's a trauma response. Yeah. I think this tact from Kaylee works for Abby because God forbid she impose upon anyone. (laughs) She doesn't want to hold anyone else responsible for anything. She's the responsible one for all of it. (laughs) What did you think about that line? I agree with you. I don't think she's holding anybody responsible. I, I think along the same lines as you, it's a trauma response. She's, She's being cautious, possibly too so. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's necessarily assessing everything correctly because of her own low self-esteem and, and whatnot, which is pretty standard heroin stuff. Yeah. I think her friend is inaccurate. Maybe she, Maybe her friend is projecting because of her own things. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know a whole lot about Kaylee aside from her being... A lawyer and really supportive. I mean, we know there's a third book. Maybe she's the heroine in the third book and we'll get to find out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Third book's not out yet. This is true. The next morning when Abby wakes up, there's a text from Rex to call her right away. And so she does. And Rex tells her that her ex was caught breaking into her apartment last night, dousing everything with gasoline. And they think he was going to try to set fire to her apartment. As a result, he's been arrested, restraining order granted and whatnot. But the landlord is kicking Abby out of the apartment because he has to replace the carpet and needs the place empty for it. So Abby's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't (laughs) keep living in a hotel. And Rex says, well, I actually have a place in town that you could live in if you wanted (laughs) she's not sure about it it makes her want to ask him about the future and so she says well if we hypothetically start seeing each other would we stay married and he's like have you decided what you want (laughs) and she's like oh you're not going to answer me huh i get it no he's just not making the decision for her yeah i don't know it's it's weird like i guess that's what it is he's letting her decide Yeah, I think he's doing his own cautious thing, you know, even with everything else. Yeah. He's being overly cautious. They're both, like, inching towards each other. (laughs) Yeah, they really are. But, yeah. One step forward, two steps back. I think as much as she doesn't want to be the 18-year-old that she was, I think she's looking for hints, guidance, and possibly that is also because he is... I mean, yes, grumpy, but difficult to read apart from the grump. And I mean, there's nuances to the grump, but yeah, throughout the story, she's just like, I don't understand what what's going on in your head. So, yeah, it's really funny, uh, that aspect of it, because at the end of the story, she realizes, oh, all those inscrutable glances he gave me, those were him wanting me or being into me or whatever. So she finally realizes it. We get like a flashback moment. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. What? But all throughout the story up to that point, she's like, yeah, I don't know what this look means. I'm not used to seeing this look because she's never seen the look because he's never looked at anyone else like that. Mm-hmm. 
So it wasn't there for her to study. <laughs> oh, I, I liked this. He finally convinces her to move into his place by saying she can pay him rent if she wants. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're okay with that? And he's all, no, but it's fine. <laughs> We're going by your rules, and you will want to pay rent. <laughs> yeah. So they miss each other, but she's still not ready to give him an answer. They hang up on the phone, and he says he'll see her that Saturday. And then he surprises her that Saturday at the Christmas market where she's selling her stuff. It's a nice scene. He is famous, and all the people are super into it, but Abby's really nice about it. It truly doesn't bother her still. She's <laughs> used to it. They get to his slash her place. She's been moving in. She asks him why he even has a place in town. Is it to be closer to his dad? And Rex does not want to talk about his dad. She's like, oh, well, if we got married for real, like, would he come to the wedding? He's like, no, I don't want him around you at all. And he opens up and tells her about how his dad is a shithead. One of the things his dad did is interfere with the recruiting process when he got recruited to play ball in college, suggesting that he was open to bribes and almost cost him his chance to go to college, almost cost him his chance to play football for a living. Abby realizes that he's been really open with her. He feels a little embarrassed maybe about oversharing. And then that makes her want to share something vulnerable with him. And so she tells him about why she collects quilts. And I really liked this story. So when Abby's mom died, she left everything to Abby. But then when Abby declared bankruptcy, most of the stuff got sold off in an auction and only a few things stayed with her and two of the things were a couple of quilts. She didn't really think about that too much, except one day she was looking for a blanket at a thrift store and she came across this really hideous quilt and she was going to put it back and then she noticed some embroidery on the back signed from a grandmother to her only granddaughter. And she felt so sad about this quilt being discarded in a thrift store, just giving away all that love. And so she bought the quilt. And now whenever she's shopping, if she sees a quilt that has a signature on it like that, she buys it because she wants to <laughs> give them a loving home. <laughs> it's a very sweet idea. It's very cute. It's a nice story. Okay, so they go to another wedding. This one is, I think, friends of Rex's aunt and uncle. Abby thinks it's a very sweet wedding. She loves how open and honest the bride and groom are with their affections and obviously in love and everything. Abby gets to re-meet Rex's aunt and uncle uh, one of the stalkery things she did is she joined the Girl Scout troop run by Rex's aunt so that she could spend time in the house where mm. Rex lived. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, they get invited over to the house for Christmas. 
Abby acts like she totally wants to go. And then Rex is like, are you sure you want to go? And he's like, are you going to be okay with the lying? And then she says, well, who says we'll be lying? And he's like, oh, did you decide? Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. <laughs> so kissing, lovely, wonderful. Cyrus comes over and reveals that he'd been trying to pair them up all along. He's so happy for them. Later, Rex tells Abby that he wants to go slow with her because he wants to make sure she trusts him. And then during the reception, there's a lot different treatment now when fans come and ignore Abby and want her to take pictures of them with Rex and everything. Rex is getting offended on Abby's behalf. <laughs> Later during the reception, Cyrus gets alone with Abby and tells her that he thinks the whole reason Rex was drunk in her bar in the first place was because he was sad that all his friends are getting married with kids and families and that's all he really wants out of life but it's tough because his parents really messed him up cyrus tells her that abby is the first woman rex ever dated where it wasn't someone setting him up and i thought that was an interesting piece of information <laughs> he picked her himself all this helpful expository info from cyrus enables abby to see things in a whole new light believing finally that he could possibly be in love with her and now she's even more upset about the fact that he wants to take things slow <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he doesn't want to take things too slow because after the reception they go in a limo to go home rex has this whole fantasy that he gets to play out in the limo he's like now you ask me to make you feel good because i'm the only one who can and ask nicely and she's just like she doesn't realize at first what he's doing and but she's into it i think he fingers her or whatever she comes it's hot and then he's like thank you for letting me live my fantasy and now she's thinking to herself should i be mad <laughs> am i mad i don't know if i'm mad like i might still be too happy and filled with endorphins to be mad and so she says, is that why you rented the limo today? And he's like, yeah, uh-huh, it is, <laughs> totally. And she's like, you used me to fulfill a fantasy. And he says, yeah, and I hope you ask me to return the favor. And she's like, wait a second. <laughs> she's thinking, do I want that? And then she tries to talk to him about the future again, and he will not talk to her about the future. She's like, wait, hold on. We still have to discuss the status of our marriage. Are we living together? Like, what's going on? Rex is like, nope, sorry. Gotta go. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> Days pass. Sexy messages. Very sweet. Rex doesn't seem to have time to talk on the phone, though. Abby's missing him. When she picks him up from the airport, she runs up and kisses him. And they make out at the airport. It's very cute. They're getting ready to go visit Rex's aunt and uncle for Christmas. She's trying again to get him to talk about the future. And every time she does, he tries to distract her. He kisses her, all that. And then again, he's like, what do you want from me? And she thinks, what do I want? And she says that she wants a fantasy, like the limo. She wants her fantasy. And so she tells him one of her fantasies, which is 
them being in high school and her coming over to study and him convincing her to get naked and, you know, make out and have sex and stuff. She's really embarrassed to be telling him this, but at the same time, she is. So she's brave, very brave. Mm -hmm. And he is like, all right, sounds good. Let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) So he puts that in his back pocket to pull out later. They get to Aunt Sally's house. Aunt Sally is amazing. They love Abby and Rex together. Later, they get a moment alone in his childhood bedroom and he plays out the fantasy and she's really into it. And it's very kind of cringe, but also hot. I don't know. I <laughs> Did you find it cringe? I found it kind of cringe. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. It's very cute. It's obviously what she wanted. Yes. So that's good. The, the sex was great and everything, but I don't know. However, she she gets an epiphany after this where she realizes that he's perfect for her. So he's not too good to be true. He's her too good, her perfect, her puzzle piece. She tells him she loves him and he's all happy about it and excited. So now they love each other. It's about time for them to head back. The plane leaves at midnight. Abby doesn't want to leave Aunt Sally's. She's having so much fun there. And she knows Rex has to go back to Chicago for the game and everything. But he can come back for Christmas. And she would really like to spend this time with his family. He's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, So he leaves. She ends up getting a call from Rex's assistant who's been trying to get a hold of Rex and telling her about a change in plans about the flight. This makes her realize that Rex had arranged for her to fly back to Chicago with him and was hoping to ask her to come back with him, to surprise her, to stay with him. And now she feels guilty. And so even though she's staying with Aunt Sally's all week, she's not enjoying herself after (laughs) all. She's not enjoying the craft time and the making cookies and whatnot. And then there's a blizzard and they don't have cell service. And so now she can't talk to him. (laughs) It's very miserable. Weather can be inconvenient. Uh, Finally, they get reconnected and Abby calls him and is like, I'm so sad I didn't go to Chicago with you. I'm so sorry. She ends up leaving him a message, I think. (laughs) Yes. Because I think he's playing the game, like the football game at that point. And then she's thinking to herself, why didn't he just ask me to go anyway? Why didn't he think to ask me to go? Doesn't he know I'd prefer to spend time with him? And then she realizes, why did I need to be asked? <laughs> I could have asked to go. I could have said what I What's wanted. What's wrong with us? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So she finally realizes, you know what? It's not all on him to move the relationship forward. I could also do it too. And it's good. And it's fine. <laughs> And then they get to watch Rex on TV. He has an interview with that nasty news reporter and he tells him off and it goes well. He finally gets to have his say. Uh, His aunt and uncle and Abby are all really proud of him and happy for him. It inspires Abby to make some rings out of uh, gold wire to surprise him with. So she does that and then she goes to bed. And when she wakes up, 
Rex is in bed with her. He's finally arrived back home. It's Christmas morning. So she gets out of bed while he's still asleep. And when she gets back, he's woken up and he's watching her and she gives him the box with the rings in it. He asks her, why are you giving me a ring? And she says it's because she loves him and wants to be his wife and wants him to be her husband. Mm. She's like, I kept asking you what our future was going to be. Then you left and didn't ask me to go with you. And I realized that wherever you go, I want to be. It's very, very cute. Very sweet. It is. I want everything with you. I want a life with you. I want children. I want dogs. I want cats. No peacocks. They're bastards. <laughs> and then Rex says, please never leave me. And she's like, never, never, never. And that's it. The end. Woo-hoo. Except we get an epilogue. <laughs> Five years later, they're married. They have a baby boy named Wyatt. And they're happy. And Declan is in jail. For a little while longer, at least. Yay. And then at the end of my book, my ebook, there was a message in the author's note that said, you could sign up for my newsletter and I'll email you a chapter from Rex's perspective. And I'm like, how have I not signed up for Penny Reads newsletter yet? What is wrong with me? So I immediately signed up and received said chapter. And it is that scene in the beginning when he wakes up in her apartment on the air mattress from his perspective. And so you realize that he was really suspicious. And then he got, I mean, basically, it's exactly that scene. But he was suspicious. And then he realized, no, she's amazing and beautiful. And I want her. So... He told her the truth. It's very cute. <laughs> and that's the end end. The ending end. All of the All end. Of the end. How was the audiobook? <laughs> the audiobook was done by Joy Nash. And if you are familiar with Penny Reed's audiobooks, you will recognize her voice. She does quite a few of them. I was really impressed with her narration. I liked it. She was in the zone. She's committed to her characters. She does well with Penny Reed. I think they're a good pair. Nice. Are you happy for their happy? I am happy. They finally got on the same page. That was good. They kept inching. (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm happy. What about you? I'm happy for them too. They're really cute. I liked that she pined for so long and then she talked herself out of it and then he started pining. So you got a (laughs) double pine. (laughs) <laughs> enjoyed it yay let's rate them okay how did you rate abby overall i i think she's awesome there were some things that were a little i guess it's just the nature of the thing like she can't have realizations too quickly but yeah i'd say she has awesome what about you i rated her awesome i really liked her i thought she was a very sweet heroine but not in like a unbelievable way Hmm. she she cares so much about other people she puts herself last because she's still dealing with that one mistake she made way back when yeah to be granted it really affected her life yes 
Like I said earlier, I really appreciated that she was terrified of the danger that she was faced with. She recognized it for what it was and what it could be. Yeah, I felt that made her more realistic and I felt it made her stalwart disbelief in Rex's devotion to be more palatable. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because she's only dumb about Rex, not other things. (laughs) Well, not dumb, but just blinders on. But yeah. Yeah, that kind of makes sense, though, right? Right. She's been in love with this guy since kindergarten, practically. She's always known that he's never going to be with her because he's never noticed her this whole time. And then he goes off and he gets rich and famous and all this. And she's like, of course, he's worlds apart from me. It couldn't possibly be true. I can totally see that being something that would be hard to believe. Yeah. It would be hard to trust, especially if you have trust issues already. And she she had to get to know the person he actually was. You know, the updated version. Yes, I'm really glad we got some of that. And he wasn't perfect. No. There were a few scenes where she's like, oh, his crown is a little tarnished. Oh, he be human. Yeah. He's a human person. Speaking of the person, (laughs) how did you rate Rex? There were some times where he was a little frustrating. I think it's mainly because we didn't get his perspective. Yeah. And and you know that Abby isn't necessarily coming to the right conclusions, but it's just, it could get a little frustrating. But that's not so much Rex's fault. So I rated him awesome. And hopefully they do better on their communication skills going forward. <laughs> what about you? I agree with you that I was also a little disappointed that we didn't get any chapters from his perspective. So I was really grateful that Penny does send you one in the email if you sign up for her newsletter at the end of the book. However, I did rate him awesome. I love a grumpy pants. Mm -hmm. And he is a very lovable grumpy pants because he's a good person. Mm -hmm. He does pine for Abby, but he's not a whiny boy at all, which is nice. He seemed really realistic to me in a lot of ways. Him being jealous of her talking to other guys, but not actually doing anything about it. For whatever reason, like, that really stood out to me. (laughs) I really liked that about him. Me too. Like, that he was jealous, but he realized that was a him problem. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that. Yes, he didn't attack her, which was nice. He did do some some kind of oversteppy things, like buy off that story. From her ex without Abby's permission. Yeah. I think that is unfortunate, but I don't hold it against him too much. I think he realized that it was bad to do. Yes. And I think he more than makes up for it. So, yeah, I feel good about him being awesome. What about the villains or antagonists? So, my list is... It's kind of short. It's got the anchor, Clarence. Yeah. I felt fairly effective. He was kind of woven through there, but he was definitely antagonistic. And I'm very happy that Rex stands up to him in the end. Me too. And then uh, essentially, essentially it's kind of Rex's past. So like all the exes, you know, they were antagonistic in the sense that they were something for him to overcome and something... For him to face, but 
I mean, I never got the impression any of them were malicious or anything. No, they all seemed really sweet and they all seemed to like Rex. They were definitely a motivating factor. So I would say they were effective. I kind of wish some of them weren't. Uh, I don't know. It's just maybe vary it a little. But that's just me. And then, of course, <laughs> Abby's ex, Declan. Yeah, he's a peach, as you say. Yes, he is a peach. I don't know. Maybe it's just my mood. I could have had more Declan, but he was very effective. And you are completely right that Abby should be afraid of him. I'm glad that she was. I'm glad that she had that awareness and wasn't just like the, no, it's fine. <laughs> I can take care of myself. Yeah, you this isn't a, a taking care of you thing. This is a recognizing a danger and getting resources thing. So yes, good on Abby. Oh, I guess what's his face's dad? Rex's dad. A little bit mildly effective then. Um, but yeah, that's my list. What about you? So I agree. Again, I'm so agreeable these past few episodes <laughs> about your list. <laughs> You've been stepping it up with the list, Em. Good job. Yay, gold star me. I agree with you about the news reporter, Clarence. I think he was pretty effective. He was pretty awful. It was a pretty low stakes sort of villain in that, did it really matter? But it mattered to Rex. Yes. And it did matter because he was an a-hole. Yeah. And it made Abby believe that Rex could possibly need her in any capacity. Yes. So we definitely needed some reason for her to buy in on the whole fake marriage thing. Declan, I agree that I wanted there to be more Declan as well. On one hand, I'm happy that the preventative measures they took were effective to protect Abby. Yes. Um, very happy. But on the other hand... I almost felt like we needed some sort of showdown. Yeah. But then on the other, other hand, <laughs> did we? So I'm a little conflicted about it. Like I kind of wanted a showdown, but I don't know how that would have affected the story. Would that have made Abby's trust issues worse? Possibly. Maybe. It definitely would have changed it from like the romantic comedy sort of story to more of a protector story yeah and rex didn't really read as a protector man to me even though he does come in and protect her mm -hmm. that doesn't seem to be his defining characteristic at all it's more like oh whoops i fucked up and i don't want her to be hurt <laughs> yeah and he is resource provider guy yeah so i think declan is effective but could be more effective if that makes sense Yes. We don't hear a whole lot about Rex's mom, but apparently his mom wasn't great either. That's all we really hear about her. And then Rex's dad, I think, could have been more effective. I feel like we didn't get a lot of backstory on Rex because we weren't ever in his head and we had to have Cyrus swoop in and do some exposition here and there. And I thought... Well, that wasn't poorly done, I would have liked to learn it differently. I feel like maybe Rex's dad and the Clarence character could have been combined. 
Mm. They had similar energies to me. I think that was purposeful. I think that's why it bothered Rex so much. Yes. and But I think by combining that, then maybe we could have gotten that backstory woven. But I agree with you, like that, that it was purposeful that he was like his dad, which is why it got under his skin. I guess mildly effective for his parents because they did kind of screw him up, but we don't really know a whole lot about them. I feel like I would have liked more. Yeah. And then I agree that the whole exes thing was a pretty antagonistic element in the story. I didn't put them on my list, though. I instead kind of chalked all that energy up to the reporter making so much of it. Mm. And I kind of wonder if it would have been such a big deal if it hadn't been so widely publicized, you know? Yeah. Maybe the reporter wouldn't have been necessary. I mean, because that's the thing is everybody was so nice. But maybe if some of them weren't quite so. I guess the thing is, Rex, I mean, the whole story is that he's happily setting these women up. Yes. They're all happy. And so it's hard to have someone who's happily married to another man bring drama (laughs) back to Rex. They wouldn't have to. It would be the funny guy, much like Clarence, you know, where it's just jokes that go too far, even amongst friends. Oh, like within the friend group? Mm -hmm. Where it just, it hits a little harder. And if it's done repeatedly, not necessarily repeated by the same person, but different members of the friend group. So he keeps hearing it repeatedly. From different people. Mm -hmm. And then it it also feels more omnipresent. Yeah, it feels kind of pervasive. Exactly, in surround sound. And so that could have worn on his internals. What did you think was more true? That he was happy about setting up these women with his friends or that he was upset that all his exes married his friends? Because I feel like we get two versions of it in the book. I agree with you. I think there's two versions and I think on some level they're both true. Especially since everybody's so nice. It's hard to want to deny a decent person something nice. Because it's like, oh, now I'm the asshole. (laughs) But I imagine after, I can't even remember how many exes it is. You know, there wouldn't be at least one point where you're going, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Does the universe hate me that much? (laughs) Or... (laughs) Is the universe conspiring against me? But then he's the one who initiates all the breakups. Yeah, to an extent, it is the universe because it's Penny Reed's head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she is conspiring. Sorry, dude. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you're completely right because he was like, no, I want to be married. And if, if these people aren't it, I'm out. Yeah. So I think it was one of those soft landings. It's like, oh, you're out. Oh, but here's the love of my life. Safe journey, friend. (laughs) I guess it's kind of a weird thing with that. I was expecting it to be more about him being maybe sad and bitter about it, but he isn't really. I mean, he is kind of sad because he wants his own family. Yes. But he's not really bitter at all. Correct. Which makes the story sweeter i think yes 
and you take out the bitter element, of course it's going to be sweet, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, mm-hmm. all that jazz, right? Yes. It is a Christmas Mer- story. Merry, Merry holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Merry holidays, indeed. How did you rate the book? Uh, I enjoyed the book. I give it a four. What about you? I gave it a four and a half, and I rounded it up to five on Goodreads. Ooh. I couldn't give it quite the whole five because of some of those lingering things. Like, I wanted more Declan. I wanted more answers. I wanted more in Rex's head. But it was a really cute story, and I really liked <laughs> it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, did you feel romanced? Well, it is a Penny Reed book, so yes, I did. <laughs> I don't know that I've read a Penny Reed book where I haven't felt romance. Mm. Good job, her, with living up to my expectations. <laughs> Woo woo! Did you feel romanced? I didn't. <gasps> no. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jill. No, I I really enjoyed it. It's a very sweet story. I won't be surprised if later I have a re-listen. I think. This might not be on Penny Reed. Yeah. Could be just your mood when you read it. Yeah. yeah life, man. Life just sucks sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that that's not on her. If we weren't doing it for the podcast, I probably would have waited until I was in a more receptive mood, and I likely would have felt romanced. So, like I said, it, it's not Penny Reed's fault. Yeah, no, I get that. Like, sometimes I'll read a book and I'll be like, you know... I just didn't want that particular part right now. I could see, I could totally see myself wanting it later, but not now. Yeah. Because, I mean, there there were laugh out loud parts for me. I, I enjoyed. It, it wasn't that I didn't. So, what else have you been reading? Well, I recently finished Eartha and Kit by Kit Shapiro and Patricia Weiss-Levy. FYI, our number one fan recommended this book to me. Yes. If you do the audio version, it's narrated by Karen Chilton, which maybe you remember, maybe you don't. She narrated Extraordinary Union by Alyssa Cole. Okay. Yeah, that name sounded really familiar to me. So I'm glad there's a reason. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, since we did that book, I thought I mentioned that. Anyway. Uh, so Kit speaks earnestly and truthfully about her life with her mom, Eartha Kit, and what that experience as her daughter was like. Um, how she was encouraged to be herself and defy categorization <laughs> and the expectations her mom had, which was interesting. It was great to learn more about Eartha, who I knew some things about, but didn't really know a lot or know well and i i definitely would have assumed she was more like her persona which would be inaccurate oh okay interesting especially if you grow up watching someone as a kid or from you know what i mean you you sort of assume that what you're seeing is the complete truth yeah and i wasn't entirely wrong i mean she did travel the world multiple times over eartha her journey is very interesting. She started out working and was born on a cotton plantation. And through hard work and perseverance and making the most of her opportunities, she found her way to Hollywood and sustained a career. 
over decades and decades. Pretty amazing. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, she has autobiographies that she herself has written. So probably check those out too. Just in case, <laughs> in case anybody would want to know or be warned, Kit talks about her mom's life. She also talks about the end of her mom's life. And although she approaches it with honesty, heartfelt feelings, and I think it was beautifully done, you may want to take caution if you don't feel that you are up to that. But I felt it was well done. The whole book was well done. It was really great. So what have you been reading? Something completely different. (laughs) I'm really excited to tell you about this book, Em, because I think you would like it a lot. It is called The September House by Carissa Orlando. This is a debut novel, which I was amazed that this is this person's first book. Mm. So good. So fucking good. Like turns tropes on their heads right and left. Mm. So this book is a horror mystery type thriller book. This woman and her husband buy this beautiful Victorian house. At a very reasonable price, surprisingly. <laughs> hmm. Move in, and they're so excited until they discover the house is haunted. However, Margaret, our narrator and heroine of the story, is not swayed. She's like, no, this is my house. Fuck you. I'm staying. <laughs> nice. Every September, it gets worse. So there's mild hauntings throughout the year. And over the course of September, it ramps up. And then on October 1st, it's back down to like its baseline low level. So in September, the walls drip blood, ghosts of poor tortured children show up. There is a housemaid that keeps house for them, even though her her face is like broken in half by an axe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Margaret... Is like, you know what? There are rules. I can follow these rules (laughs) and everything will be fine. And it's my house, damn it. And I'm not leaving. (laughs) Nice. Her husband is finally fed up. And before the story starts, he's left her because he can't stand to live in the house anymore. Chicken. Yeah. So he (laughs) leaves and Margaret is just holding it together. She's like, things are fine. Everything's fine. There are rules here. And obviously, Hal didn't want to stay, and that's okay. That's his choice. But this is my home, and I'm not leaving. But her grown-up daughter, Catherine, is now having trouble getting a hold of her father. (laughs) And she's growing concerned, and so she's decided to come visit her mom and try to figure out what happened to her dad in September. And Margaret is a little concerned about this. (laughs) How is she going to keep all these goings on from Catherine? And if Catherine finds out, will she have to leave? Hmm. I don't want to give too much away. It is so good. Oh my God. I really, really enjoyed this story because it has like that black humor to it that is just so chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend you should read it, you in particular, M, but also <laughs> anyone else that wants to. 
I was so sad to learn that this was Carissa Orlando's first book because I wanted to read more. (laughs) (laughs) I click on her Goodreads profile and I'm like, lady, (laughs) excuse you. We need to have words. How dare you release your first book this year? I have to wait. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm a little spoiled and entitled, but you know, I'm a reader. What can I say? Uh, so anyway check out our website romancemepodcast.com we've got show notes other episodes uh, lists with our upcoming reads and you can subscribe on apple google amazon or spotify leave us a review let us know what you think give us a five-star rating because five stars are happy and we love them right? And you want us to be happy, (laughs) right? I'm not committing to that. (laughs) (laughs) To the happy? I just, I don't commit. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to be happy, right? Yes. Yes. M may or may not be happy. (laughs) I cannot control her. This is true. (laughs) And I wouldn't want to try. That is wise. (laughs) Yes, I know. I am very wise. (laughs) Were you romanced by Abby and Rex's story? Let us know what you think. Also, you could let us know which Frank Sinatra song best describes you. Your call. Yes. If you wish to join us next time, we'll be discussing Ambrosia by C.N. Crawford. Which will be a follow-up on the last episode. Yes. So we'll finally pick up from that cliffhanger, which we did. I was going to ask you what your favorite Frank Sinatra song is. Just do you have a, do you have a favorite Frank? I like My Way, mm. but I like it sung by Elvis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. <laughs> Controversial. I love it. <laughs> What about you? <laughs> For Frank songs, I, I do like My Way. Either by Frank or Elvis. <laughs> I'm not picky. I like That's Life. I feel that. Oh, yeah. And Something Stupid with his daughter, Nancy Sinatra. See, I struggle with Frank because he was in a lot of movies with Gene Kelly. And I just don't compete at all like <laughs> I know, I know he was the singer and Gene Kelly was the dancer, but I was fine with the dancer singing mm-hmm. too. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Frank. Your talent is not required. I apologize. I'm good with Elvis and Gene Kelly. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> and I think that's it. <laughs>